Good morning, uh, and for those of you that I've not uh, yet met, my name is Prentice. I get the privilege to be the lead pastor here at Bethany in West Seattle. If you're watching online or uh, watching sometime th throughout the week, again, thanks for joining us. I always say if you're new to church or checking church out for the first time, I always say thank you for taking a risk. I know that church sometimes can be intimidating. It can be scary. Uh, perhaps you come in with past hurt or pain, uh, and on behalf of the church, if that's you, I'm sorry that you experienced that. Uh, and my hope is that this morning, uh, and really uh, forever, that you experience not a perfect church, but a church that seeks to love God and to love others, uh, where you can find peace and healing and transformation. Uh, and so uh, with that said, for the next two weeks, starting today, so today and next week, We'll be, something, we'll be doing something a little bit different. Now, for those of you that don't know, uh, Bethany West Seattle is part of Bethany Community Church, one of six locations. Uh, and every week is a sermon that is preached, uh, well, really the same sermon or the same text, same Bible verse, same, same theme that is preached week after week at all six Bethany's. That's what makes us unique and distinct together uh, is that we... Uh, hear from God and hope to hear from God and to, and to teach collectively. Uh, for the next two weeks, though, again, starting today, uh, the, the call for each vocation is to pray and consider what uh, God might be doing uniquely to each location. So again, for, for today and next week, each location, all six locations, we will be preaching different sermons based off of where we believe that God has, has called us and it's pressing us into. And so as a staff for the last, actually several weeks, as we were preparing this, uh, we were praying and discussing, like, where is God leading us? What does God want us to do and pursue a little bit more uh, in 2023? It's kind of like, you know, like a new, new Year's resolution. You know, many of us, we have this hashtag, New Year, New Me. And so, uh, and maybe you don't. Maybe you're like, you know what, it's not going to work. I'm just going to live my life. And that's okay, too. Uh, but, but for us, we really want to focus on two things. The Holy Spirit, which is a big task to be talking about for today. Uh, and the next week, we'll be talking about the idea of prayer. Of prayer. So the Holy Spirit and prayer. And so what I'll be doing is I'll be packing in... Uh, the Holy Spirit, the study of the Holy Spirit is called pneumatology. It comes from the word pneuma, which is spirit in Greek, uh, and logosology, which is the study of, in Greek, so pneumatology. I've taken a couple of pneumatology classes when I was in seminary, so I'll be fitting in a couple years' worth of material here in 25 minutes. So bear with me. So I'll give it a shot. Uh, so let me pray, and then we'll get started. God, thank you for your Holy Spirit. One of three persons in the triune of the oneness of God, the one that we oftentimes neglect or forget or uh, have a lesser of a belief in. But may we be reminded that the Holy Spirit, you are God and you are moving powerfully in our midst. So help us to see that. Help us to experience that. Help us to know you, Holy Spirit, in, a, in an intimate and personal way. We thank you for who you are. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Uh, we're calling the sermon series Examine, uh, and the examine, and maybe you're familiar with this, is a 
prayer, it's a system of praying developed by St. Ignatius uh, in the 16th century. Uh, he was the one who founded the Jesuit, Jesuit order in the Catholic Church. Uh, and he developed, again, this prayer of, of examine. It's a daily practice, a daily way of praying uh, that he taught people. And I think it's a great prayer. And let me just go over some of what the prayer is about. There's five aspects of the prayer of examine. And I'll have it on the screen for you right now. The first one uh, is that you call upon the Holy Spirit. Before you enter into this particular prayer of examine, this daily prayer of examine, you call upon in prayer uh, the guidance and the help of the Holy Spirit to reveal some of the things that you are about to ask. So it might sound something like this. God, Holy Spirit, come to me and, and reveal to me, number two, what I should be grateful for for today. Uh, so the daily examine is a prayer that is oftentimes prayed in the evening. So St. Ignatius says you should pray actually in his book, Spiritual uh, Exercises, that he wrote in the 16th century. He said you should do this two times a day, one in the afternoon and one before going to bed. Call upon the Holy Spirit. Number two, think about the gratitude or gratitudes of that particular day. Number three, examine, where we get the prayer of examine. Examine is Latin, so it's spelled differently, which literally means to be introspective. So number three, after you think about the things that you're grateful for for today, that specific day, examine what he calls consolations and desolations. So consolations are the things that brought joy, that brought life, all the good things. So again, it could be very similar to the gratitudes. But the second part of examine is to think about your desolations. And St. Ignatius describes desolations as our shortcomings, essentially. The ways that we have failed to love others, the ways that we have failed to love God, the ways that we have essentially failed to love ourselves. And, and I don't know about you, but I can pray the examine every single day, and every single day think of ways for that particular day, things that I'm A, grateful for, and the ways that I have failed people around me, God and others. And, and then the fourth step to the prayer of examine is to seek forgiveness. God, forgive me for the ways that I've failed. We worship and we pray to a big God who forgives us of our shortcomings, of the ways that we have literally uh, missed the mark. The word sin is this Greek word armartia, and it's literally describing a bow and arrow shooting for the bullseye and missing the mark. It's literally translated as missing the mark. And I don't know about you, but I miss the mark every single day, and God can forgive us and God will forgive us when we do just that. And then lastly, we hope for a new tomorrow. The prayer might sound something like this. God, thank you for the ways that you've come into my life. Thank you for food, little things. Thank you for transportation. Thank you for heat. Thank you that I arrived at this place safely. Thank you for the people in my life. You can say, God, forgive me for the ways that I've failed. I got angry. I did this, I said a bad word, I don't know, you can, you know, whatever it is, your desolations, God, forgive me, and then God, help me to be different tomorrow. God, give me the strength to be a different person, to handle it differently than should the next time come around. 
This is the daily examine. So we're calling this sermon series Examine because there's two fundamental parts of the examine, the prayer of examine. Number one, obviously, you have to pray. So we'll be talking about prayer next week. But secondly, we have to be fully in tune with the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to convict and reveal number two, three, four, and five. The idea that St. Ignatius gave us isn't that we would just kind of brainstorm all these good thoughts, uh, but it's the Spirit convicting us of the things that we should be seeing, feeling, and experiencing. And so, what we've been convicted of as a staff, as a church, is that we need two things more of in 2023. And my hope is you'd consider adding more of this or seeking, it's already there, but seeking more of this in your own lives, more spirit, more prayer. More spirit and more prayer. And I know it's not something we talk about all the time, particularly at any of the Bethany locations. Oftentimes we view our faith as very cerebral. Uh, and I love that. What's the historicity? What's the context? What's the original language? What's it really saying? Who's the author? This or that. And trust me, I actually find worship in study and learning. But there's something that is out of my control and that we have to allow the Holy Spirit to speak into us that is divine, that's mysterious. And my hope is that in the next 20 minutes now that we would be able to unpack a little bit more of what that looks like. Now, today... I want to do a few things. I want to ask three questions regarding the Holy Spirit. Thank you. All right. See, I love that attitude. We should all be saying, okay. Number one, who is the Holy Spirit? In other words, what's the theology of the Holy Spirit? Number two, I hope to answer today, what does the Holy Spirit do? And we'll talk about some of the scriptures where we find images uh, of of God and the Holy Spirit, and lastly, hope to answer, how does the Holy Spirit impact us today? So for number one, who is the Holy Spirit? Uh, and so we're going to be talking about the theology of the Spirit, and then we'll talk about the biblical implications. Now, uh, to begin with, I want to say this, the Holy Spirit is the triune God. And what I mean by that is this, as Christians, we believe in one God in three persons, or some would say ousia, which means essence. That's the idea of, of one being in three essence or three persons. And, and really, in Orthodox Christianity, we would say, and many theologians and scholars would say, the belief in a triune God is a non-negotiable. This is what makes us unique and distinct. And yet, at the same time, what is confusing is that the word Trinity is nowhere found in the Bible. It's a theological formulation. Now, the Trinity first came on the scene uh, by a church father named Tertullian at the Council of Nicaea which in the 4th century, which we won't unpack, but you can Google it if you want to, the Nicene Creed. It's, it's the essentially the Christian statement of faith. And in the Council of Nicaea, Tertullian proposed this idea of God being three persons, and together they developed this statement of faith called the Nicene Creed, which says, and I won't read the whole thing, which says something like this, 
I believe in one God. And I, and I think it's up there. If not, bear with me. The Council of Nicaea says this, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages. God from God, light from light, true God from true God. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified. Now you see that and the Son is in brackets. You can look that up. It's because there was this controversy called the filioque, which in Latin just literally means and the Son. Uh, one half of the church said that the Spirit came from just the Father. Uh, the other half said it came, the Spirit came from Father and Son. Essentially, that controversy uh, split the church into the East and the West. So that's why we get the Eastern Orthodox uh, and then the Catholic Church, which really just means the one church. Uh, and that's our heritage. That's our origin. And, and so the, the non-negotiable aspect of being a Christian is that we believe in the triune God. And the triune God is in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. God the Spirit. And I love uh, the, the quote from a theologian, the late Stanley Grenz. He says this about the idea of the Trinity. Of the various aspects of our Christian understanding of God, perhaps none is as difficult to grasp as the concept of God as triune. What sets Christianity apart from other religious traditions is the confession of the one God as Father, Son, and Spirit. As a consequence, no teaching lies at the center of Christian theology, if not of the Christian faith itself, as the doctrine of the Trinity. That's by Stanley Grimes. And, and so again, it, it's, there's this idea of mystery. There's this idea of importance. But then it's ironic that it's not even in Scripture. It's a theological formulation. And the theological formulation on the Trinity that includes Father, Son, and Spirit, uh, most, if not all scholars, would agree that there's four truths about the Trinity. Number one is that God is one. Number two, God is in three persons. And number three, God is diverse. Uh, and again, I don't want to give you all my seminary education, but there's this idea of what we would call the economic trinity. The economic trinity, which means that there's an economy of roles in the things that the triune God does. Uh, though they are, it is one God in three persons. There's the God, the Father, the creator of the universe, who sent Jesus to be God in the incarnate on earth with us to be relational. That's two. Then after Jesus ascended to heaven, sends the Spirit to be our helper, our advocate. Uh, and though these aren't separate entities, there's a diversity in the triune God. There's an economy of the Trinity. And then there's also unity in the Trinity. We call this relational Trinitarianism. 
that all three persons in the Trinity are equal. They're reciprocal. Uh, there isn't a hierarchy. They all existed from the beginning and will exist forever. That is God, the Trinity. And so now I want to make sure that I answer that question. Who is the Spirit? Well, the Spirit is God, one person of the Trinity, of the triune God, which we cannot forget. We oftentimes pray, God, help me with this. God, do this for me. God, thank you for that. And that's all good. Jesus, we thank you for coming down, for saving us, for dying on the cross. And yet, how often do we pray to the Spirit? Holy Spirit, would you come and would you move? And I don't know about you, but if, it's, if you're anything like me, not very often. The Holy Spirit is often neglected, though the Spirit is part of the triune God. The Spirit is God. Now, in addition to the Spirit being part of the triune God, as we talk about the economic Trinitarianism, where each person of the Trinity has a diverse or a variety of, of roles, uh, of, of history, of the things and movements that have been done, one of the uniqueness of the Spirit is that the Spirit bonds the Father and the Son with love. Essentially, the Holy Spirit is the love that bonds the Father and the Son together. And the Spirit bonds us people to God. In fact, um, Augustine calls, has this idea of the Trinity and has this phrase called the bond of love. Augustine says that the Holy Spirit is the bond of Love that bonds the Father and the Son together and bonds us to God. And so I want to make sure that we all understand this aspect of, of the Trinity and where the Spirit plays a role in that. Uh, and secondly, I want to answer the question, what does the Holy Spirit do? And when we look into the scriptures, as we will right now, there's different images that describe the role, again, the economy of the Trinity, if God and, and, and the Son have their respective roles, the Spirit also has its respective role. Uh, and many, I won't go over all the images, but I'll go over few, a few important images of how the Spirit is described. Uh, and, and one way uh, is with this Hebrew word, ruach. Ruah is translated as breath, as breath, uh, and oftentimes used as the breath of God. In Genesis 1.1, it says, it's In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Ruah, or the Spirit of God, was hovering over the waters. We can see that the Spirit of God, the Ruah, the breath of God, has been with God as part of the triune God from the very beginning of time. So the image is this, that the Holy Spirit is life-giving. It's breath. We, we sing songs about the Spirit being in our lungs because it's the idea that without the Spirit, there is no life. Particularly in a spiritual sense, there is no divine life. There's no afterlife. There's no salvation. Because that is what the Holy Spirit brings to all believers. 
I don't know about you, but have you ever choked on food or maybe on water? I remember one of my first years living in, in Pasadena, California, uh, I had a favorite restaurant. It was called The Hat. And it was like, the, yeah, if you're from California, you know The Hat. It's basically a pastrami sandwich restaurant. And I remember one day I was so hungry, I ran, I ordered a pastrami sandwich, and I just started like chowing down on the food. And then all of a sudden, it didn't go all the way down. And I started choking, like actually choking. It wasn't like, oh, something's stuck in my throat, like I can still breathe. It was like I couldn't breathe at all. And I panicked. And I don't know why, but instead of asking for help or just kind of letting people know I was in trouble, I didn't want people to know, so I ran outside uh, of the restaurant. I just literally ran out, just choking. And finally, I was like hitting myself and hitting my back. And finally, it just went down and I was able to go back and, and eat again as if nothing happened. Now, there's something about that moment where as I was choking, I was out of air. There was no air. There was no breath in me. And, and I think about that moment as I think about what the Holy Spirit does is that Spirit gives us life. And if you've ever choked on something or had a lack of oxygen or you're underwater or you're swimming or, dying, or whatever it is, you know what it feels like to be lack of air, of, uh, of oxygen. And, and what the Bible is describing is that the Spirit gives life. Before we receive the Spirit, yes, we can breathe and we can walk and we can live, but there's something unique that the Spirit offers us. It's life, and not just any other life, but life on life. Where in John, uh, the writer says, or Jesus says, uh, the thief have come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to give you life, not just any other life, but life in abundance. So the Spirit is the source of life, of breath, and the Holy Spirit wants you to experience not just a living livingness biologically, but this actual living abundantly in the spirit can offer just that. I love what John Calvin says. One of his quotes says, the Holy Spirit is the bond. Again, what Augustine says, the Holy Spirit is the bond by which Christ effectually unites us to himself. The Holy Spirit unites us to God. The Holy Spirit is the agent of love. So when we say that God is love, God is literally love. Because love is the Holy Spirit that bonds Father and Son together and us with God. And so that's what we mean by when we say God is love. God is literally love. And if you have experienced the Holy Spirit, you've experienced the fullness of God's love. And I would say that changes everything. And so what kind of impact does this have on us? The impact is this. You are loved by the creator God who created the universe, who sent Jesus down to die for us on the cross, who sent his spirit, the spirit of love, the agent that bonds God the Father, the Son, and us. That is in all of us if you claim to be a follower of Jesus. The spirit is in you. That means the love of God is in you. That means whenever we experience shame or, or guilt for, for something that we've done, maybe the way we've treated people, maybe an act that we did spur of the moment, maybe a decision that we regret, 
Maybe you, you got rejected by somebody or a company or for a job or whatever it is. You heard the word no. And the level of worthiness, what Brene talks about a lot, uh, gets shrunk down. And we have this belief of unlovable, unworthy. And so whenever we hear these, I would say, lies in our lives, the thing that we have to remember is that we are filled with the Holy Spirit, the God of love. That means you are loved by the creator of this universe, and that is your identity. Not these lies that we hear, not the things that we label ourselves with, not the things that we hear from other people, not the rejection letters, not the rejection email, whatever it is, at the end of the day, what we need to remember is that the God of the universe, who is bonded by the Spirit, is the same Spirit that lives in each and every one of us. You are loved. And at the same time, that's the love that we're able to give to other people. Because you are filled with the Spirit, A, you are loved, and now you can extend that love to others. Even the people that vote differently than you, even the people that think differently than you, even the people that even cause harm to you. Now, there's something about boundaries. I'm not going to unpack that right now, but that's important. I don't want to uh, enable uh, trauma or abuse or pain. But what I do want to say is this. There's something so powerful about the Spirit that God calls us to love even our enemies. Even our enemies, God says, that we can love them because of the Spirit that is in us. How many of us have lived this kind of love, a life of love? How many of us, if we're doing the prayer of examine, have lived a life of actual hate? For those of you that know uh, or don't know, last summer I took a sabbatical and I went to the South in a solo uh, uh, civil rights pilgrimage. And I went to one museum, the, the National Civil Rights Museum um, in Georgia. And as I was walking through, there was this one exhibit where you can sit on a, on a, in a booth. It was like a makeshift diner and you sit in a booth, and you put on headphones. Uh, and then you can hear uh, what the, uh, the, teenage, the black teenage boys experienced in the civil rights movements in the 60s of this crowd, this white, uh, predominantly white, or all, all white uh, men screaming racial slurs, shaking them, spitting on them, telling them to leave because they were there as a boycott. And so this exhibit, you put on headphones, you sit down at the booth, you close your eyes, the, the, stu the, the booth seat actually shakes, you feel mist like water, like as if someone's spitting on you. you, you hear people yelling, there's racial slurs. And so as I was sitting there, I was actually like drawn to tears because this experience was so visceral, not that I'll understand everything or exactly what my, uh, what my bro uh, black African-American brothers and sisters had experienced or even experienced in today. Not that I'll ever experience that personally, but there's something that I experienced that was so visceral. And the only thing I can think of was the word hate. How can somebody hate somebody so much? And as I was walking out, I, I, was, I was shaken. I, I was, you know, like really messed up after that. And then there was this wall that explained that majority of the people that were doing these things, that were attacking and spitting and mocking, were self-proclaimed Christians. 
self-proclaimed followers of Jesus. And the question that I have, and, and again, this is to me too, just as much as anybody else, if we are filled with the Holy Spirit, how can one have so much hate? So the encouragement is this, that God is love. The Spirit is love, and we are filled with that Spirit of love. May we love others. May we love, love, even the people that are so hard to love. And move away from hatred, from violence, and live according to the Spirit. So number one, the image of breath. Number two, there's this Greek word pneuma, again, where we get the word pneumatology. And it's this idea of wind. So it's not just this idea of breath, but the Holy Spirit is is talking about this idea of wind. In Acts chapter 2, it says this, Suddenly, a sound like the, blowing, uh, like the blowing of a violent wind, pneuma, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire and separated uh, and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled by the pneuma, by the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues and the Spirit, that the Spirit enabled them. <clears throat> I love this idea. The idea of wind, especially in the first century, was this imagery of power, where they were located in the ancient Near East. Uh, the, the winds met, and it was oftentimes very powerful. So if you went to a first century Palestinian Jew, and you talked about this idea of wind, the first thing that oftentimes they would think about is violence uh, of this rushing and powerful wind. And so the writer is saying the, the Holy Spirit is like pneuma. It's like, a, it's like a powerful and rushing wind that cannot be contained. The Holy Spirit is powerful. And, and so oftentimes what I have been convicted of is that we should be praying to the Holy Spirit with expectancy. And I talk about this often. Sometimes, and I talked about this with my small group, is that when I pray, sometimes I feel like I give God an out. Like I make excuses for God because I'm the one with the lack of faith in God and it's nothing about God uh, in God's self. So for example, I remember back in the day my friend hurt his leg and we gathered and we prayed for the Holy Spirit to come in and heal my friend's leg. And I remember praying out loud, God, please heal my friend's leg. And then I thought to myself for a split second, well, if it doesn't happen... If God can't do it or if God won't do it, because God doesn't always work that way, then I'm going to make God look foolish. So I need, to make, I need to make an excuse for God. So my prayer would change and say, God, heal my friend's leg if it is only your will. God, if maybe it's your will for him to be in pain and agony. So if that's true, then forget I even ask God. Like, God, heal this person, heal this person's leg. But if you don't, that's okay. That's okay if you don't. Because then it must be your will that he's in pain. And, and again, sometimes that is true. Sometimes God doesn't heal. God works in mysterious ways that uh, is beyond our own finite understanding. But my hope is that we would pray with confidence, with expectation. Uh, just a few days ago, um, I was watching... Um, the Bills and Bengals game, and for those of you that watched or maybe heard, uh, there was a player named Damar Hamlin who uh, got hit, and he just collapsed, and it was a very scary scene. 
He got the CPR. He got pulled off by an ambulance. And I don't know why I did this, but I remember calling my wife Maria over from the other room. I was like, Maria, this is really sad. Let's pray. Let's sit in our living room in Seattle, Washington, while they're playing their game, this professional football player who will never know that, I, that we prayed for this person. And we sat there and we prayed for Damar Hamlin. God, would you just give him life? Bring him recovery. Be with his team. Be with, bring peace to his family who his mom was there watching the game. And for a moment, I felt foolish. Like, well, who am I? Like, why am I praying for this complete stranger on the other side of the country who's a professional football player in the NFL? And yet, I find myself that, and find ourselves praying because here's the deal God is a powerful, God, the Spirit is powerful, like a mighty and rushing wind that you cannot control that cannot be tamed. And so my prayer and encouragement and the way that the Spirit impacts us is may we pray with confidence because the God of the Spirit, the Spirit of God, lives inside of us so we can love and love others and feel the experience and know God loves us, but also that we can have confidence that the Spirit listens and the Spirit moves in ways that we'll never understand and so let's not try to understand, but let's hop on the wave of what the Spirit is doing. Yes, I felt ridiculous, but at the same time, that is the God that we pray to. The Spirit of God that we pray to is powerful. The Spirit of God moves. The Spirit of God heals. The God, the God convicts. The Spirit of God uh, does things that is way outside of our minds, but we have to believe in that. May we believe, may we not forget, like in Acts chapter 2, that there was a blowing of a violent wind of heaven, and it filled the whole house. That's the Spirit. And lastly, there's this image of advocate, or the Greek word paraclete. Uh, paraclete. And in John chapter 14, it says this, All this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives, so do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The image is breath. It's, it's life. The image is powerful like a rushing wind. The image of the Spirit of God is a comforter. Do you need hope this morning? The Spirit is moving in your lives. The Spirit wants to comfort you. Do you feel a sense of loss? Depressed, anxious, lonely, uncertain? Is there brokenness in your relationships? Is there brokenness just inside of you? Is there a brokenness in your relationship with God? The Spirit, the Advocate, is here to comfort you and to convict you and to help you. A few weeks ago, uh, I made a new friend in my, I, I, as a hobby, I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and, and I met a new friend. And it, it's hard to meet good friends in that environment, not that I don't want to, 
but it's just a particular vibe, like gym, kind of bro-y, kind of like martial arts, like you want to fight people. Like it's just a weird, like I go, it's a great hobby. I love it. I love the art. But I met this guy, and we ended up, I mean, this is when I knew our friendship moved to the next level. We added each other on Facebook, okay? We're above 35, so Facebook, not, not TikTok or whatever it is. So uh, we added each other on Facebook, and I was like, oh, great. I'm going to obviously look at his Facebook profile, and I know what I'm going to see, like, bro stuff, you know? Like, whatever that is, you, you, get the, you get the deal. And then I was scrolling down, and I saw a Facebook post. And uh, just to get it right, and this is verbatim, he asks this question on Facebook. Does anybody know how, how I can deal with my self-actualities of my own homophobia and racism? And maybe I judged the book by its cover. Maybe I was being a little bit too judgmental. But I remember just being so flabbergasted at that question. It's a big question. And, and I would say, perhaps whether he know, knows it or not, I don't know what his faith background is, but these are the things that the Holy Spirit helps us with. Not only does the Holy Spirit convict us of this, like, God, what do I need to work on? Maybe for him, it's this self-actualization of his own homophobia and his own racism. Maybe for you, it's something. And not only does God convict us of the right questions to ask, but God brings us answers and solutions. Maybe it might be through people. Maybe it might be through the soft or loud voice uh, from the Spirit. But the Spirit helps us not only ask the right questions, but to find solutions. And so my hope as I end and invite the band back up as we take communion together that we ask the Holy Spirit, A, to convict us, like the prayer of examine. God, where do I need work? God, where do I need forgiveness? God, where do I need breath? God, where do I need to be reminded of who you are? Maybe it's your power that I oftentimes forget. God, maybe I need your help. I need an advocate. I need a paraclete. I need uh, a counselor. That's the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is with you and for you. May you experience that Spirit of God here today. The same Spirit of God, the God who created the universe. That Spirit is with you. That's Ruach. The Spirit that resurrected Jesus from the dead, the pneuma, the powerful image of resurrection from bringing life from, from death. That's powerful. That Spirit is with you. The spirit that wants to come and help and to be an advocate, the same spirit that Jesus left to his disciples is the exact same spirit that is with us and for us today. The spirit is with you. And so as we recognize the spirit of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, when we also recognize Jesus' life, death, and resurrection together, and so I want us to do this. When you're ready, go ahead and we'll come to the center. You'll grab this two-in-one, the, 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 the bread and the, and the juice. We'll just grab it. Don't take it yet by yourself. Let's go back to our seats and hold this. And the practice is this. Will we say, Holy Spirit, 
before I take this, convict me of the things that I need to be grateful for. Or your prayer might be this, like the prayer of examine. Holy Spirit, convict me of the ways that I've failed. Forgive me. May this moment be a moment of inventory, of self-reflection, of examine. And then I'll come back up after we enter into this song and we'll take this together as a community. Let's enter into worship.